Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to talk about forgiving. Everyone's favorite subject is a big sigh. They're like, oh great, Tom's going to beat us up with learning how to forgive people. Yay, praise God. Forgiveness is a, a tricky thing. Um, <clears throat> I think that a lot of times we have a misconception and we don't know how to do it because we really have never done it. You know, and we, we know we're supposed to do it, so we don't bring it up very often. And we're really good at suppressing and stuffing and, and denying and pretending that things don't really exist. And, and uh, my favorite one is like, well, I already did that. Okay. You know, but if you talk about that person, you can instantly see that the bitterness that's in in there. And, you know, I had a guy that lived with me a long time ago, and he would tell me that he forgave. And then he would go on and tell us all the stuff that the person who did and be like, doesn't look like you forgive. Yeah, I, I forgave. I know. Yeah. You know, and so often we think that forgiveness or forgiving is forgetting. And that's not necessarily true. Because we can put stuff in our denial closet and we can bury it and we can pretend it's not there and all of a sudden we get put into a situation and all of a sudden something gets activated that's been deep and dormant for a long time and it comes out and it feels amazing as we're trying to do everything we can to get that thing to get stuffed back inside. You know, and there's been various things that have triggered me through the years. You know, movies have a fun way of breaking through the the ice and, and getting, you know, deep feelings to come out. You know, songs can do it, situations can do it, you know, life experience can do it. You know, have we ever said that why am I here again? You know, with a bitter tone because we've gone around the mountain once again in some area. And we thought we've dealt with something, and yet here it is that we're dealing with it again. And we don't quite understand why. But I think that God, in his ultimate wisdom, he knows that we haven't dealt with certain things, so he keeps bringing them back to us, and we keep pretending like, la, 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 I don't hear you. You know, and yet, until we choose to do it his way, he constantly gives us these options to do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, because I think in his love for us, he doesn't want us to stay in these broken places. You know, and as much as we think that we're better, and a lot of us are way better than we used to be. You know, so please hear me. You know, it's not that we aren't getting better and we're not progressing and we're not learning and we're not growing and we're not healing. But yet, if God keeps bringing something back to you, there must be a reason. You know, he is not trying to punish us in that sense. He's not trying to, you know, make us hurt. But he is trying to get us to let go of certain things so that we can heal and truly understand his grace, his mercy, his love, you know, his freedom. You know, and if God has forgiven me, isn't that enough? 
Why should I drag up the past? My favorite line ever since I became a Christian, it's under the blood. (laughs) Really? It's interesting that you say that. Because if I'm still hanging on to something, it doesn't belong to Jesus. So as much as I want to say that I prayed about it, I forgave it, I dealt with it, if it's still in here and it's not nailed to the cross, it's not under the blood. You know, and I can use all my Christian terminology and my Christian, you know, excuses, but in reality, the Holy Spirit knows that that stuff isn't under the blood, and that's why He keeps trying to drag it out of us so we can get under the blood. You know, and why should we drag up the past? Because a lot of times there's stuff that's still emotionally cancerous, that's still alive inside of us, that we pretend isn't there, and yet it still is is making us make horrible decisions because we're still trying to deny it, we're still trying to cover it, we're still trying to cope with it, we're still trying to, you know, distract ourselves from it. You know, if anybody gets real close, then we have different ways that we explode. Some of us implode, some of us go inside, some of us retreat, some of us run away, some of us get real angry, some of us huff and puff, and then when you aren't, you know, looking, we run. You know, there's various things that we do. Some of us bury ourselves in in our old addictions, and some of us find new ones. You know, because we don't know how to handle the stuff that's going on inside of us, and we aren't quite sure how to give it to Jesus. You know, before we can truly become healthy, we have to clean out this guilt, the shame, the pain that's inside. You know, shame, you know, a lot of times we have a, a misunderstanding of this, and it, it's the very one of the, the very most tools that the enemy uses, the condemnation, to, to make us feel like God doesn't love us. You know, and we're worthless, and we're no good, and God can't, possibly use me because I've made all these mistakes. And guilt, you know, that's specific. That's, you know, telling me that I'm convicted of the sin that I'm still doing, you know, but I'm not trying to really surrender that to Jesus because I find it still pleasurable. And it's not affecting anyone else, but yet it is. Because any time that I try to cover a sin... I normally have to cover it with a lot of emotion. So a lot of times it can show up in depression, it can show up in anxiety, it can show up in anger. You know, why? Because I don't know how to handle what's really going on inside, so I use many different things to cope. You know, a lot of us, you know, that I've worked with through the years, you know, we're still carrying around pain from before we ever started elementary school. You know, there's areas in our childhood where, you know, there's abandonment or neglect or abuse. You know, and it, it's, it stems into our deepest parts of our identity. You know, the things that took place when we were children that we just don't know how to handle as we grow up into being adults. You know, that 
And I believe that denial had served a purpose, at least for me, and I, I believe that it's God-given on some levels, is some of us have dealt with a serious adult issues as little kids. And we weren't emotionally stable or spiritually mature enough to handle some of the things that we went through when we were young. Let alone all the damage that we caused at adolescence. We thought we were grown, knew what we were doing. You can't tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. Well, here, let me give you this hammer so you can smash yourself in the face with it. You know, life is difficult. It's not easy. I mean, I wish that, you know, that I could be 100% obedient to God and, and that I would just navigate life just so effortlessly and easy. But... I'm still here. I'm not in spirit form, so I get to mess things up. You know, and there's stuff that's carrying over in our lives that we've been hurt badly. You know, I've been, you know, working with people in recovery for a long time. And there is deep trauma in most of our lives. You know, I think that the harder the person ran in their lives, you know, the, the more that they used drugs or alcohol, the more that they tried to drown their sorrows in relationships, the more that they've used food, the more that they've used porn, sex, whatever, you know, that there's truly some deep, deep things going on inside. And that the only way that we can find freedom is first understand that we're forgiven by Jesus. And then learning how to forgive ourselves. And then slowly beginning to forgive other people. You know, that the commandment says that we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But for many of us, if we were to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, everyone that we know would be dead. Because we didn't love ourselves. And we didn't really believe that God loved us, even though we're trying to figure out this Christianity stuff. And, you know, somewhere along the line that we had an emotional response to the gospel and we accepted Jesus and we believe that we're forgiven, sort of. Depends on the day. You know, if I've messed up too much, nope, he took that back. You know, and it's like we don't really understand that the blood of Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness. It has nothing to do with our good works. However, the response of what Jesus has done means that there is a behavioral change that begins to take place from the inside out. And so often, we're used to, you know, carrying, you know, a front or wearing a mask, and we're good at pretending in one way, shape, or form because our identity is all messed up. You know, as long as our identity is in pain, as much as we try to get closer to Jesus, that pain keeps dragging us back down. You know, and many of us, you know, some of the pains that we've gone through had nothing to do with us. You know, many people have been molested or sexually abused or, you know, rejected, neglected, abandoned. You know, and that... You didn't really have a part to play in that, except for the fact that you went through it. You know, and 
it's important that we understand who Jesus is for us to be able to forgive. Because if we don't really understand who he is and what he's done, then we constantly try to do it ourselves and we know that we're not capable of doing it. So then therefore we only get so far and then we quit. You know, I know from my own, you know, process, you know, I wasn't going to forgive, you know, many different people. I would never forgive them. You know, I remember, you know, making statements that, you know, I will never forgive that person. You know, in talking with some of you, I've heard you make the very same statement. You know, and through counseling, you know, I was able to forgive myself for my own sexual abuse, which makes no sense. I felt guilty for what happened to me because I carried shame. Like I somehow had a part to play in it. And what I learned was that that man was sick. You know, he had a problem. You know, he took advantage of a little boy. You know, and through that, realizing that he was sick, I was able to let myself off the hook. But it wasn't until I got to Jesus that I was really able to surrender him completely to him, to God and say, he's now your problem. I'm not carrying that anymore. And a new freedom began to come. You know, that many of us have been through very traumatic situations in our lives. You know, and <clears throat> these types of sins are deep violations against who we are. You know, and the wages of sin equals death, but a lot of times we're the one that's carrying the death inside of us of the sins that were committed against us because we're hanging on to it so tightly because we think that our hurt or our pain makes us who we are today. You know, I carried my anger so tightly for so long because I didn't want anyone to hurt me. But I found myself in such situations that I was either hurting myself or allowing other people to hurt me because I was always recreating the very thing that I feared the most. You know, and these roots of dysfunction have to get uprooted, torn out. And a lot of times we just don't know how to do it. You know, and forgiving the person that's hurt us doesn't seem normal. It doesn't seem natural. You know, and we want them to suffer. But literally the only place they're suffering is between our ears. I spent hours and hours and hours thinking and hurting and and wanting people to suffer. And at the end of the day, the only one that was truly suffering was me. That I didn't get to manifest the things that I was thinking about upon the person. They were just living their life as they would normally live it, probably not thinking of me at all. And I'm the one that's suffering. You know, and it seems impossible to forgive some of the people that we need to forgive. You know, and I've been in, in many a service, and forgiveness gets brought up. 
well, you need to forgive because God forgave you. And if you don't forgive, then he won't forgive you. So you need to forgive right now. And I 100% disagree. Well, it's scriptural. It is. But I think that we take it out of context and somebody can fight with me and I don't care. Because I believe that if we repent of our sins and we're forgiven, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So does he take that back? So that means God's a liar. If we take that scripture and that scripture and put them together, or maybe we don't understand scripture quite that much. And I know that I'm always continuing to learn. I don't have it all figured out. Thank God for that. So God first forgave us, so if we don't forgive, then we're not forgiven. But that's not how that works, because that means that I have to do something to get forgiven. So one day, as I'm trying to figure this stuff out, I believe that the Holy Spirit gave me this interpretation of it. Is that God first forgave me, and if I don't forgive the next person, grace can't flow through me, and then therefore I don't feel forgiven. Because as I judge other people, that judgment comes back to me. So if I have resentment and bitterness towards someone, I then reciprocate that and I manifest that upon God and think that he still has not forgiven me. That makes way more sense to me. Now, somebody with a Bible degree and somebody with, you know, that wants to fight me about doctrine can go ahead. And it's okay. Because I can be wrong. But that makes sense to me. That God would want me to release the next person so grace could flow through me in such a way that I'm loving my enemy. And when I don't love my enemy, I have a hard time loving myself. And this is hard. You know, and I believe that I have literally thought a million times to hurt certain people in my life. There has literally been a thought that certain people should die or be hurt or suffer. And those thoughts have repeatedly been running in my head since I was a little boy. So if I say, God, help me to forgive so-and-so, and I prayed one prayer, the likelihood that I have undone a million thoughts is not high. Now, do I believe that I have to pray a million times for the million thoughts? No, I do not. Because I believe that God is way more powerful than me. That if I become willing and say, God, give me the willingness to forgive so-and-so. God, give me the willingness to let go of this situation. And I pray it, and I pray it. And every time I think of that person, I start to get bitter. And I say, God, give me the willingness to let go. Give me the willingness to forgive. And the thought comes back, God, give me the willingness to forgive and give me the willingness to let go. The willingness and asking God to come in and give me the freedom that he says he wants to give me overpowers the million seeds that I've sown in the bitterness ground. 
And then all of a sudden, in a moment, His mercy arrives, His grace is sufficient, and something begins to lift. Now I don't believe that I'm done. Because the enemy will try to hand that back to me because he knows that if I continue to think the way that I've been thinking, that I stay bitter, I stay depressed, I stay angry, I stay violent, I stay fill in the blank. And the enemy knows that if I really believe in God and His grace, the freedom that will come to me goes far beyond the enemy's control over my life. And it seems impossible. And it is if it's our strength, our thinking, our way. But there's nothing that's impossible with God. And His grace is so much more powerful than our ability to think and wish and hope for destruction on someone else's life. Truly, we just need to be willing. And a lot of times we're not willing. And that creates the problem. Well, I need to be willing. Well, I'm not. Touche. So now what do I do? I know for me that if I want the ice cream that's in the refrigerator, I cannot wish it to show up on my in a bowl on the coffee table. I have to be willing to get my fat butt off the couch to go get it. And very rarely, I am wrestling with this thought, and I give in to the temptation to go get the ice cream, that I finally get off the couch, and I take one step in that direction, do I then retreat back to the couch without the ice cream? Are you following me? I need one step. I need to take one step in God's direction. Now there could be hundreds of thoughts about that bowl of ice cream before I move. But eventually, if I'm allowing God to say, Tom, it's time to forgive. It's time to let go. And I allow that thought to get in there and start to stir things up. Eventually, I take one step. I take one step. Many years ago, God gave me a a funny little revelation. That in the early morning, most of us have to get up and go to the bathroom. And we don't want to get out of bed. No matter how bad we have to go, we wrestle with that thought. And we try to force ourselves to go back to sleep. And sometimes we go back to sleep. But whatever you do, don't go to the bathroom in your dream. But how often have we laid there wrestling and turning and fighting and getting angry at the fact that we need to go? And it's something that we do every day. There's not really one day that we haven't gone. And yet we fight it. But yet, once again, we finally say, ah! We throw off the covers of the, of the warm bed and we finally put our feet on the ground and we take one step in that direction. Do we ever stop and then get back into bed without going to the bathroom? I would say no. 
And yet, if we don't, how much damage could take place? I'm not a doctor, but I would imagine that there could be a lot of complications that if we did not take care of what's naturally supposed to come out of us, it's something that we've been doing since the very beginning of our life. See, uh, why God gave me this illustration is that once we've gone, what do we do? Do we stay up? I would say no. Most of us don't stay up. We scurry back, especially in the into winter months, that we scurry back to our bed and we jump in and it's still warm and we pull the blankets back over us and how instantly we could go to sleep. Now, we could have wrestled for hours prior to that moment because we refused to get up and take care of business. And yet, in a moment, we're warm, we have peace, we find comfort, and then we have rest. See, I believe that Jesus paid for sin of all time. All time. And the unforgiveness that's in us is trying to be pulled out. Because it's naturally supposed to go to where it belongs. Because he paid for it. He was willing to lay his life down so that we could have freedom. So all sin has been paid for. So I believe it's naturally trying to come out of each and every one of us and we do everything that we can to keep it stuffed down. We wrestle with it. We fight with it. We don't want to let go of it. But the natural course of action is that waste, toxicity needs to come out of us so that we can have his warmth. We can have his rest. We can have his peace. And we will not have it. We truly cannot have that until we let go what truly belongs to him. And that's the sins that have been committed against us, not just the sins that we've committed. And we can fight with that for as long as we want to fight. But we will not win because he has paid an ultimate price for our, our sins that we have held on to. Whether there are sins or someone else's sins, The debt has been paid. And we truly have to let the course of action that is in each and every one of our lives, there is stuff that every one of us in here has held down and said that we wouldn't let go or I'm not going to do it. And somehow Jesus was able to pry that thing from our fingers. And finally when we did, we were so grateful that he did. And yet there is more that we continue to try to do our way and want Tom's will, your will, and yet how much pain does it bring us? That we just have to become willing to let God be God and for us to step out of the way and realize that we belong to him because we've surrendered our lives to him. And if you haven't, we can talk, and that's a whole other story. But his forgiveness is free to you as well. And you can become part of the greatest family that has ever lived. Because we begin to be adopted into a kingdom. We become adopted into a family. Most of us don't have families. Most of us, our families are very broken and dysfunctional. 
And yet we hang out with broken and dysfunctional people and it's nowhere near as bad because somehow Jesus is in the midst of each and every one of our relationships. And we're learning how to live life a lot different today than we used to. And yet we have to learn how to forgive. If you've been around me any given amount of time, you've had to forgive me at some point, I guarantee it. Or you wouldn't be sitting here. I have made everyone in this room angry at some point or another. Except for maybe the new person. (laughs) But give me time. I promise. I am an equal opportunity offender. I'm just asking you to be willing to consider to forgive. Why? Because Jesus is better than whatever it is that you're hanging on to, I promise. He's offering us freedom, and yet we reject it. There's so much dead and brokenness and decay and anger and bitterness, depression, anxiety, fill in the blank of the stuff that we're struggling with. And I guarantee if you dig that thing down far enough, you'll find some sort of event that took place that you're still hanging on to on some level or another, and somehow you still think that Jesus isn't good enough, or Jesus won't, or Jesus will this, or Jesus won't do that, but yet Scripture has shown you time and time again that that's not true. The enemy comes in and whispers deceit in our ears so that we hang on to things that aren't true, so that we stay stuck in places that Jesus wants to set us free of. We have to dig up these roots of these weeds. We have to plant new seed in this ground. We have to trust that His grace is is sufficient for us. But truly, all we need to do is take one step of willingness towards Him and say, I don't like this, but I don't want to be this way anymore. So often... We think that we forgive, we let them off the hook. But what I've come to realize is that we put them on a bigger hook. Because once we release them to God, they're God. That I'm not the executioner, I'm not the punisher, I'm not the one that has to bring judgment upon them. I'm releasing them to the one who actually has authority to do it. Well, what if they repent? What if they do? Isn't that what this is all about? Didn't, don't we want to be forgiven of the sins that we've committed? How many sins have I committed against people? A lot. Don't I want to be forgiven of them? Well, it's not the same. How is it not the same? Any sin against another person is still a sin. We're the only ones that put a system of checks and balances on, well, this sin's worse than this one. Every sin is disobedience to God. Now, there's sins that cause death, but all the wages of sin cause death. So when we get down to the nitty-gritty of it, every one of my sins is the same. I'm the one that justifies certain ones versus other ones. And aren't we so quick to judge other people's sins and forgive our own? Don't we give ourselves mercy while we hold other people in criticism? Why? Because I think that I'm better. 
when in reality I am the worst sinner I know. And the more revelation that I have that I need more Jesus, the better off I'm going to be. See, we have to admit the hurt. And some of us, that's really hard to do. You know, Jeremiah 6.14, you can't be forgiven of a sin that you say isn't there. Some of us still have stuff that's buried deep inside and that we haven't dealt with. And just me talking tonight, the Holy Spirit's poking at it. And you know exactly what it is. And that's between you and Jesus. I'm not trying to get you to tell me what it is. But I bet you that he's not going to leave you alone now. And you're welcome for that. And I just encourage you to let him in. Talk to him. Be angry with him. Tell him how you don't like it. It's okay. But take one step towards him. I just encourage you to take one step. I encourage you to be willing. I encourage you to say, I don't want to do this, but help me. And fight through it. Just as much as you fought to stay stuck, fight to be free. And the more we begin to admit, we come out of denial. And maybe it's time, maybe your season is now, that you're emotionally and spiritually ready to go on your next journey and find freedom. Because your feelings have kept you sick for far too long. You've kept them bottled up. you kept them stuffed down. It's interfered with your freedom. It's interfered with your relationship with people. It's interfered with your relationship with Jesus. And once again, here you are face to face with it. Others have committed sins against us. You know what? There's no way for you to live the rest of your life without someone committing a new sin against you. You're going to have to learn to forgive on one level or another. Otherwise, you stay stuck. You stay bottled up. You stay in this this prison that you create for yourself. As we hold on to these resentments, we block God's freedom that he wants to bring to us. You know, that we're about lists. You've been around long enough, you've done a list. Maybe it's been a while since you did a list. But you did a list at some point or another. The more lists you've done, probably the more freedom you have. Some of you that may have not done a list, maybe it's time to do a list. You know, and I encourage you to to get a notebook that doesn't really have anything else in it, preferably nothing else in it, and start to make a list. Make a list of the people and the situations that have popped up tonight. Just write them down. You don't have to do anything, but that's right. It's willingness to take one step. And I just encourage you to ask Jesus for help with that stuff. I'm not asking you to forgive. I'm not asking you to let go tonight. I'm asking you to make a list. You know, God may be revealing the very things that you've been trying to find freedom from, but you think it's something else. You want breakthrough in this area, but you're tied in this area. 
you wonder why you're struggling in this area, but over here there's something that's laying dormant that you're anchored to. How could I ever forgive your dad? How am I ever going to forgive my brother for what he did? How am I ever going to let go of what my mom did? How am I ever going to let go of what that guy did? How am I going to ever let go of what that lady did? I'm not asking you to do that tonight. I'm not even asking you to to try to address those questions. I'm not asking you how you do it. I'm telling you who the one is that will help you do it. You and your own strengths, most likely you can't. But with Jesus, there's freedom. Every one of us in this room has experienced it on one level or another. I believe that before you actually offer forgiveness or you try to talk to someone, you need a few things in place. One, you and Jesus have had to spend some hours talking about these things. Most likely you need another person to bounce these things off from because you will still try to gravitate for an eye for an eye. And you will use the Bible in a way that it's not supposed to be used. So I encourage you to let Jesus in. He's the only one I'm asking to talk to it about. I'm not asking you to tell another person. I'm asking you to talk to Jesus. I'm asking you to write it down and talk to Jesus. And once you've done that, I'd pray, say, Lord, who, who can help me to process this? And then trust that he's guiding you to the right person who's going to help you to walk through this. Because I believe that there's more freedom for each and every one of us, including myself. But I believe that forgiveness is key. We have to humble ourselves. We have to be honest. We need to be sincere and willing. The more we continue to offer excuses and justify our actions, we find fault in the other person, we stay stuck, don't we? We have to receive what God has for us and not expect the other person to give us what we can't receive. Spent many years angry at my dad. And as a grown man, I was still angry at my dad. My dad had never really been there. My dad made a lot of excuses of why he couldn't be in my life. So as a grown man, I, I struggle with identity issues that I didn't have my father in my life. And one time I was sitting in a service and I heard scripture like I'd never heard it before. Most likely every one of us has had one of these types of moments. And that day it was part of the Lord's Prayer, but it was a different version You know, a lot of times we know that we forget our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Like, I didn't walk on your lawn. You didn't walk on my lawn. We're good. That day I heard it in a different translation. It was, we forgive our debtors as we forgive those that we have debts against. See, I expect the person that I have a resentment against to pay me something that they can't pay me. A lot of times someone took something from me that they can't ever repay. 
for some of us that have been sexually abused, that person can't ever give us back what they took. For me with my dad, I couldn't get my childhood back. I couldn't throw a baseball with him. I couldn't have those, you know, dad and son talks as a young teenager as you're growing up. So I was resentful that he didn't give me those things. Well, as a grown man, he can't give me something that I want. He can't give me that time back. Every one of us has to fill in the blank. Why we hang on to the resentment is that we want payment for the, that sin. We want the wage. We want the wage paid to us. See, Jesus received the wage because he laid his life down for it. See, it's not until we release it to him that that sin gets paid for. See, so often we want payment for that sin. We want them to suffer. But Jesus suffered in their stead. And a lot of times that's hard for us to receive because we want that person to suffer. But Jesus had a different way. And aren't we so glad that his ways are different than ours? That he was willing to suffer for me. He was willing to suffer for you. And he was willing to suffer for them. See, it's not a reward. We don't receive a reward because someone gets punished. But what we have received is salvation, a free gift that we could never earn because Jesus was willing to be punished in our stead. Jesus asks us to love our enemies and do good to them. This is not an easy thing to do. Apart from him, I think it's nearly impossible. But what I've learned is that I've been able to love people that I didn't think I was capable of loving. I was, I've learned to be forgiving in times when I would hold on to bitterness or criticism. And I'm grateful today that I'm quick to let go of things. I don't want to hang on to them. I don't like the bitterness. I won't like the anger. I used to live in that place, and I, it's not a fun place to live. A lot of depression and despair and discouragement come. You know, an unforgiving heart will cause more pain and destruction than what the person actually did to you. This requires courage. The only place I know to find courage is in Christ. It requires us to be willing. We've got to take that one step. You know, and there's the right time for everything. I don't think for some of us that tonight is the night that you might forgive that person. Like I said, it's not one prayer. It's one step. I encourage you to pray. And part of praying is part of that step. But a lot of times we pray one prayer and nothing happens, right? But if we're desperate enough and we pray enough, God shows that he's faithful. And he shows up in ways that we didn't expect. And he shows up in ways that we are grateful that he... He did later once we see his plan versus our plan. So I just ask you to pray for Jesus' guidance and direction and his timing, not yours. And just bow your heads with me. Lord, tonight was a deep message. Lord, I pray that your seeds, not mine, were planted deep within the heart of every man and woman in this room, including myself. Lord, I pray that your seeds would be able to bear fruit of a hundredfold because it would be next to the living water, that the Holy Spirit would run over those things, 
giving them life. Lord, I ask you would break through the hardness in our hearts. Give us the willingness to let go and the willingness to forgive. Help us to take one step towards you and away from those people, and away from those events, away from those circumstances. Help us to stop expecting people to give us payment for things that they can't ever give us. But help us to receive what you have done for us long before we ever knew who you were. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that we're here tonight, Lord, and we believe that you have more for us. But help us not to be so stubborn. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many minutes.